That period is a complete blur. Um, it was very, very challenging and they were yeah, probably the most stressful times I've ever had in my working career. But things have been quite good the last few months. You know, the local community has really gotten behind us. So it's quite heartwarming at the moment. But it feels like it's a false sense of security because we feel like we're all kind of like a cat on a hot tin roof waiting for the next phase to come, which is kind of we feel like, you know, you talk amongst all your hospitality colleagues and it feels like it's just it's going to hit the fan again. Are you feeling this? Waiting for it to hit the fan? Scrounging around for some sort of protective shield that's more than a mask so you don't get splattered if or when it does come your way. So how do we cope best and live well through this pandemic even when we're feeling a bit it? Well, that's what this episode is about. Hey, I'm Penny Terry, and we're back with a third season of HealthSpeak to help us all feel more protected against something that is out of our control. And that loss of control is something that Bianca Welsh, who you heard from at the start of this episode, has had to deal with. Bianca is deep in the hospitality and tourism industry in Tasmania as a manager and owner of three businesses. She also has a Bachelor of Behavioural Sciences and is a mental health ambassador. And when Bianca started to explain her reaction and response to having to shut down her businesses in just a couple of days, yeah, it got me. Uh, tears, <laughs> a lot of them. Uncertainty sorrow for our team. Um, I think that's what I felt as an employer the most upset about was what was going to happen to all of our staff. Not necessarily panic, but like defeat, just absolute defeat of going, there is nothing we can do to fix this or to change this. We've just got to deal with it. And when you work in hospitality or a service industry, you've, you're, you're a control freak. Like you really, you have a lot of control in your environment. We're really the ones that are in the driver's seat. Um, and that was really hard to get our head around of that. We're no longer in the driver's seat. This is, this COVID is, is, and you've just got to, yeah, come to terms with it. What did you learn about people in those early days and the many different ways that people will react when they lose that sense of control? Uh, I think how incredibly resilient people are in those really stressful times. Every, like, we met individually with each of our staff and at the time we had 63 people on the books uh, and I think we stood down just over 50 were you exhausted? Yeah. I was numb. I was just completely numb. I almost just didn't feel I almost didn't feel anything. It was really odd. And to speak with each person individually and have that conversation face to face, uh, it was just incredible how resilient they were and to say, you know, it like it's okay. Like they had I don't know, I think they'd come to terms with that they weren't in control of it more than I had. Um and they were incredibly compassionate and empathetic they're very understanding and yeah I get teary talking about it and thinking about it because yeah it was really it was really intense and I think even more so was um the customers coming in 
and just coming in to get a coffee or you know that they'd lost their job or and they were coming in to get a meal was really, really moving. You're going to make me cry too now. (laughs) What do you do to cope with that stuff, that uncertainty of not knowing what's next? Uh, I guess personally it's trying to just live in the now. I mean, and that's... um, that's easier said than done, to not look too far ahead, uh, I guess, to take the positives and to know that a lot of this is not, it's not in our control. We can't control all the stuff that's that's going on. So I guess it's trying to, yeah, trying to deal with the loss of control, which is, yeah, very challenging. Yeah, challenging is a great way to describe that. Although I've heard a few more descriptive words too in the recording of this podcast. And if you're wondering how you can help others deal with that lack of control, you'll hear more from Bianca and the things that she's been implementing in her workplace in episode four. But for now, let's just talk about what we can implement in our own heads We know that the stats are rolling in, that COVID-19 and the job losses, the restrictions, the worry about healthcare and the health of others close to us, social isolation and uncertainty hasn't been good for our mental health. As an example, at the time of recording, calls to Lifeline were up 25% compared to this time last year. And you can get help there too if you need it now on 13 11 14. Or check out Beyond Blue at beyondblue.org.au. As governments and services continue to try and work out how best to deliver support to you for this stuff, let's talk about some of the things that we can be doing now to help us cope with uncertainty. Caroline Thane is a mental health clinician and she says it's tough. Uncertainty is really hard because, again, our brains are designed to problem solve. So if we don't know the answer, we'll go round and round and round in it. Um, So I think it's important to focus on what's within your control in your day-to-day life. So think about what habits you have. Routines are predictable. They give us comfort. They make us feel safe. So some regular routines that you do every day, even if it's just making yourself a cup of tea or a cup of coffee in the morning, can actually be helpful. Um, So thinking about and focusing on those things that are within your control can certainly help in, in times like this where everything is quite uncertain. Some other tips? It's really important to actually stop and think about the importance of managing your mental health and well-being on a day-to-day basis. And that can start with really practical things like thinking about your physical health because we know that physical health is very much related to our mental health. So if we're eating good food, we're getting enough sleep, we're exercising, that gives us a beautiful foundation to managing our mental health. Um, But I think it's important to perhaps limiting um, the amount of news that you're receiving and especially when COVID can look different in different parts of the world or even different parts of our country, um, you might stop and think about what's the important information that I absolutely need. So it might be that you just decide to listen to one newsreel uh, once a day and it's got local content rather than saturating yourself. I think as well managing anxiety, it's actually really, really important that you take time to Um, slow down throughout your day when we think about anxiety it makes us go faster our heart beats faster we want to race and we can go into that what um, listeners will probably be familiar with fight and flight slowing down is a way of I guess cueing your brain in 
to letting your brain know that actually I'm okay um, and I can slow down now and I'm safe in this moment. I guess some of the other issues that people are dealing with are an effect of COVID. So job security, um, money coming in, they may have elderly people or immunosuppressed people in their family that they're worried about. How do we cope, I guess, with those peripheral, well, they're not really peripheral, they, they may well take over stresses because of the situation we're in of living through a pandemic. So I really think it's important to stop and consider what are some of my internal narratives I'm having about COVID-19 and are they helpful? Um, The reason why I use helpful is sometimes in our anxious brains we can get caught in debate. Well, is that going to happen or is that not going to happen? And that of itself um, we often call it rumination, so going thought going round and round and round, especially when we can't problem solve it. Someone once told me that is like getting on the city loop on the bus and you just keep going round and round and round and round. Yes, because our brains are designed to problem solve. And if we can't problem solve it, our brain goes, oh, I'm just going to keep going on that roundabout. <laughs> um, so it's actually about asking yourself, is this helpful for me to think about this right now? So helpful, not is it true or not? So that can be really useful. Um, for me recently, we've had um, a, a family member going to a nursing home and knowing what I know about nursing homes and COVID, I had some very unhelpful thoughts about that. (laughs) And I thought that's actually, it's actually not relevant to me and our situation right now. And that's just not helpful. That doesn't mean that thought won't pop up, but it's about me being slow enough to recognise when it happens and to then move into some more helpful thoughts. How are you going with that? While slowing down enough to recognise the unhelpful thoughts sounds doable, doing it is another thing. Maureen Lacey is a real estate agent in Georgetown, Tasmania, and in trying to manage both her life and her business during a pandemic, she realised that she needed to have a crack at this skill of slowing down. I was so busy in, in work and, and doing some um, you know, volunteer work. You know, I've got a school-aged child, um, managing all of that. And when this happened, um, like my mind goes 100 miles an hour constantly, um, it was actually training myself to stop thinking because I was overthinking things. Um, but to do that, I got myself... Um, like I educated myself. I rang various people that um, I thought would have the answer or put me onto someone. So I got all the information I could about what I needed to be doing. Um, and that then helped me prioritise. Um, and then I started listening to the advice I was giving my team, which was just enjoy this. Like you're never hopefully going to have this again, but just enjoy it. Go for the walks with the dogs, do some cooking, have downtime and because I was working from home because my son was homeschooling I had to put those barriers in place because otherwise I could just continue working whatever hours and I'm like no you've got to keep those distinctions between family and work um, and and be easy on yourself Um, and I think that's where like I'd be worried that I wasn't getting certain things done but when I peeled it back what's my priorities here and I'm like actually I've got to be here for my son I've got to be here for my team Um, okay, yep, that helps me prioritise and then everything else fits in around it. Are you writing this stuff down? I think I better grab a pen. Create priorities. Now, one of the things that mental health clinician Caroline talks about is that for people who have always kept a pretty close eye on their mental health, 
they may be quicker to recognise some of this stuff. Whereas if you've never really thought much about your well-being before, it might be harder to realise what's going on. For Kylie, she had some clear signs that she needed to change something. So what did you find yourself doing at home? Not much to begin with. Um, there was a lot of binge-watching TV to begin with. Um, and after the first week, I just sort of found the mood was starting to get really low. Um, you know, I, even to say that there was almost a little bit of that depression starting to set in and I was getting into a really sort of, oh, well, you know, it's nothing to do, can't do nothing um, attitude. Um, and then just one morning I woke up and I thought, nah, I'm not going down this rabbit hole. I'm going to pick myself up. I put it on Facebook. We're going to hire out our equipment. We're going to start some classes. And um, we got straight into it. So, And it just lifted my mood straight away. Now there's a word in there that Kylie uses, mood. And I wonder if it's easier to think about keeping an eye on our moods rather than on our well-being. And to make it even easier, there's an app for that. David Backer is a clinical psychologist based in Tasmania who's helped develop a couple of mood tracking apps because he wants to make evidence-based psychological techniques and mental health education more accessible to everyone. So how does an app do that? And how does it help us if it hits the fan. So Mood Mission is a free app for Android and iOS and you can download it and it's for free. And once you've completed some of the surveys at the very start of the app, you go to it when you're feeling low or anxious and you tell it how you're feeling in a few quick questions and then it gives you a list of coping options. So it gives you a list of five drawn from a really big database that we've got of lots of different coping options that that the scientific evidence shows can help thinking about something from a different perspective or doing a meditation or, or something else like that. You do one of those and then you come back to the app after you've done it. You say to the app, how are you feeling now? And through a machine learning algorithm, the app starts to learn how you cope over time. So it, it gets better and better with its suggestions of these little coping activities called missions. What does the research tell us about why tracking moods can be useful? Well, tracking moods can be really helpful for a whole bunch of different reasons. It's a really core part of um, cognitive behavioural therapy and other sorts of psychological therapies like that. Uh, cognitive behavioural therapy, or CBT, is one of the most evidence-based types of psychological therapy. Mo- most psychologists use it in some way, shape or form. But basically it's, it's, it helps people um, reflect on how they've been feeling and thinking and behaving. A big part of that is tracking how they feel and think and behave. Um, there's lots of research to show that that can help us think about things from a different perspective. So if you write something down um, or you reflect on it later, then you might think of it with sort of a fresh perspective that's not as emotionally charged. When you're in the moment, um, you know, at the bank and you are convinced that other people are looking at you and thinking that you dress weird and then, you know, you go up to the bank teller and um this, this is a bad example going to the bank i don't think anyone goes to the bank anymore but um, you go to the bank teller <laughs> and you think at 1.5 meters distance yeah you? of course um yeah, yeah. 1.5 meters away you still think that they are thinking that you look weird they're they're going to laugh about you later and so I, what i'm describing is a lot of the thoughts that people with social anxiety might 
experience. So if that's the way that you're thinking in the moment, later on when you're not in that situation and you reflect back on it, you might actually have a better chance of going, you know what, I don't think anyone was thinking any of those things. I think I was just caught in my own head and I think I was feeling anxious and that was making me think some of those things. So the next time I'll go into the bank, I'll just try I'll just try and convince myself that all of those thoughts going through my head are, are rubbish. They're, they're not really telling the truth. I can understand why I'm having them, why, why I'm feeling that way, but they're not worth listening to. Another big way that uh, mood tracking can help is by increasing our emotional self-awareness. So we've done a bit of research to show that by using a mood tracking app, you can increase your emotional self-awareness, which basically means how aware you are, how insightful you are on how you feel. And then through that, that can increase how much well-being you experience, some positive well-being, and, and it can decrease some um, anxiety and depression-related factors. Um, so emotional self-awareness is a really important part of feeling good, just being able to reflect on your own feelings with a non-judgmental frame of mind and then problem solve maybe after that, after you've had some reflection, be like, how can I feel better? What can I do? What sort of habits can I form? And we're going to check back in with David on the next episode, which is about habits. Yep, he'll teach you how to make a habit of tracking your moods and anything else that you want to keep up. So if you haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe so that it pops up in your podcast feed. One of the things that David talked about was having a non-judgmental frame of mind. Now, judging ourselves is one thing, but what about judging other people and their actions during COVID? How are you going with that? I really couldn't understand, you know, like Bunnings and stuff like that, because really you can do without them. Did you find yourself watching the way other people were acting and maybe getting a bit judgy? I don't know if that's the right word. Look, what you watch on TV, yes, very. Because some of them are just crazy. (laughs) Really, they are. They just do the wrong thing, you know. We've all thought it about something. Some of us have even said it. So here's one for the COVID kit of life skills. How do we have non-judgmental conversations, useful conversations with other people right now, even when we don't agree? Let's check back in with mental health clinician Caroline Thane. I think what COVID has done is it can create a level of stress in people, understandably, because there's a lot of uncertainty. And I think when we're holding stress, it's really common for us to um, perhaps project our own opinions and judgments in quite a strong way. I think what's really important is when when we're talking about um, COVID, and it might be with loved ones or it could just be with people, acquaintances or even work colleagues, it's really important to ask yourself the question, am I having a discussion or am I having a debate? So when we are debating something, we're often not hearing the other person's viewpoint and then we can come across quite strongly. However, when we're having a discussion, it's about really listening to the other person and hearing what they're saying as well. How do we do that? What's a good tip to to hear more or listen more before we say more? First of all, I think it's really important around what is your aim of the conversation. So if your aim is about sharing your knowledge about COVID-19 and keeping people safe, including yourself and including the person you're talking to, 
you really want to stay connected to that person. So the way you stay connected is being curious is really important, using we statements rather than I or you, um, and keeping the conversation going and open. So an example might be, if I was worried that you hadn't sanitised your hands, I could come across in two different ways. One of them might be, Penny, you need to sanitise your hands now. Look at what you've done. <laughs> you look a bit scary. <laughs> You're judging me very hard. Um, or you could do that in another way. You could say, hey, Penny, I'm just wondering I'm wondering if you maybe have forgotten to sanitise your hands. I'm pretty sure we're meant to do that when we walk in the building. Um, is that your understanding? Something like that. I mentioned the word judgment before. How much of this is about how we how we judge people? And I guess a fair bit of that judgment is is inbuilt in us. Look, I think I've heard this statement a lot that we're in this together. And while that's true, I think it's also important that we recognise that as individuals, we all have different circumstances. So for example, you know, our population groups vary in terms of some of us are living with people with compromised immune systems or elderly people who are also vulnerable. So the way that I might view COVID might be quite different to the person beside me. I think the most important thing for us to remember is when we're feeling uncomfortable, don't snap into a judgment about the person beside you, is to slow your body down and think a bit more curiously about why they might be doing something. I talk to my kids and my family about um, asking themselves two things. One of them is, is my action safe for myself and for other people around me? And am I being kind to myself and to other people around me? And that usually sets you in the direction of safe COVID behaviour. How quickly do we jump into the situation where we're comparing things? So comparing my experience with your mm. experience and then how that might lead to judgment. Mm. Um Apparently, the research says it takes 10 seconds before, if you hear something different or someone disagreeing with you, it only takes 10 seconds before you receive that information and you shut down and you start to think of a rebuttal. I wonder if we should count to 10 now, just in case people want to rebut you when they're going to come back (laughs) as they listen. I think also it's about how we process discomfort. So if you say something to me that makes me really uncomfortable, um, to get rid of my discomfort, I want you to hear me and agree with me and then I feel relaxed again. So again, if we use that example of sanitising your hands, the way I can problem solve my anxiety is for you to just come on board and sanitise your hands and then I immediately feel relaxed. You know, if you think about our threat system in our brain and um, how anxiety is triggered, we want our threat to disappear and therefore um, we can then start to relax and slow down if you just do as you're told. (laughs) So it kind of makes sense. Wow. I feel like I just made sense of a lot of stuff. From processing that feeling of being out of control to the slowing down of our brains to be able to recognise unhelpful thoughts. Then there was tracking our moods and how to have more curious conversations. And I wonder how many of these skills we'll have to draw on or get better at as we live through this pandemic. In our next episode, we're going to work on that get better at bit as we learn a bit more about habits, those ones that perhaps we started during isolation that we want to keep 
and also those ones that we want to break. In the meantime, if you know someone who might benefit from having listened to this episode, share this link on Facebook or just grab their phone and subscribe them via their podcast app. We are filling up our COVID kits with the life skills we need to live well during a pandemic, thanks to Bell Bay Aluminium through the Georgetown Council as part of the Healthy Georgetown Project. 